Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Tangential Advisory Podcast, episode seven. Seven, recorded on June 20th, 2021. I'm Neil. I'm Scott. Uh, today, we're, well, I guess first, you know what? Hold on. I'm not bringing up topics. We have to, we have to game plan for something very important today. It's Father's Day. I need to get a gift. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we... <laughs> Actually, you know, I, I'm making it more dramatic uh, than it sounds. So my dad is, uh, is uh, in a different state. He's in Colorado. So mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily planning on having something ready right away or anything. I'm thinking about giving him a uh, fitness watch. Dads love that. Do they? Yeah. Dads as a monolith love fitness watches. So if I'm going to do that, one that's not super tech crazy, because I know there's like the smart watch that you could get, mm-hmm. which I, I think is a, is going to be a little overkill for him. Like, I don't think he's extremely fluent with his uh, his smart devices. So like then I'm assuming maybe like a Fitbit, uh, like one of the Fitbit smart watches or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think those are supposed to be more or less one of the easiest to sort of set up and roll with. It's also probably going to give you the least amount of distraction or fuss with the hardware itself. Then I think, I, all right, crisis averted. I think we have a game plan. Hopefully none of, none of my siblings are uh, watching right now. No, I, I, I was like going back and forth on a few, but I wasn't entirely sure. But okay. Got that taken yeah, care Dig- of. Digimon Vital Bracelet is the best option, but the second best is the Fitbit. Maybe he loves Digimon. I don't know. We've never really talked too much about like interests, you know? You should get to know your dad. It, it, it's like, so I know he's a huge fan of Journey and a lot of that like old 70s, 80s like hair rock. But like when, I, I mean like, it's not like my relationship with him is strained. It's just that when you have a parent that was in like the food or like restaurant industry, it's like mm-hmm. that's the type of job managing a restaurant, owning multiple restaurants that like basically consumes most of your life. And so, yeah, yeah, uh, like what, what you do outside of your life is not so much something like pastimes, like, uh, you know, playing music or painting. It's more like. I need to go out and experience the wilderness of Colorado. Like I'm going to go hiking. I'm going to do stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. it is. So your dad just—he's the kind of guy who just has to get away from it all. Well, so he's—he's he's since retired, but like that was obviously after I, you know, was a working adult and then you know living a state apart. Like you can talk over the phone and such, but it's more about like you. you I, I don't know if this is maybe just me, but like when I talk to my parents, it's usually more about like checking in on how everyone's doing, maybe mm-hmm. talking about like uh, may, maybe talking about like other family members, you know, about like, oh, who's visiting? Oh, that's nice. And then, then I, in the back of my head, I'm like, man, I wish I had like that. This is, you know, in the past, of course, but like, man, I wish I had money to go and travel and visit you guys out in Colorado, that sort of thing, like pre pandemic, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I I also just don't think that necessarily my interests align with his so much. Is this becoming you gotta like get a him fucking, into your stuff? Is this becoming a counseling? It's episode? a therapy session. Yeah. 
but but like uh, obviously uh i like we're pretty split or we're we're pretty far apart in age since he ha- like my parents had me when i think he was maybe closer to 50 okay so, so you're 40 he's 60 wait wait sorry <laughs> <laughs> i said you're 40 he's 60 big age gap no uh but <laughs> but so now like uh i think he's i think he's 70 now and so obviously it's like video games and such were really never uh his thing you know it's never too late though i uh, i don't know I, I, I got i got my mom into video games within the last two years what what I'd kind say- of games does she play out of curiosity Every every single day, she's a hardcore gamer. But Animal what kind Crossing. of games? Animal like, Crossing. Animal Crossing. Okay. Butter right. is switch. She plays Animal Crossing. I think she has other games. I don't know if she's like opened them more than once. Like I'm pretty sure she has Stardew Valley. And it's like this is not Animal Crossing. <laughs> it's like on the side, she also plays. Uh, she also plays Astral tra- uh, Astral Chain. Astral Chain. Yeah. Doom. <laughs> uh, yeah. God, what else? Uh, I would, I would kill for my mom to play Bloodborne. She'd love it. She'd be terrible at it, I'm sure. But uh, I would, I definitely harbor the de- like the secret desire that she's actually uh, very good at it and just keeping it under wraps. She's like, oh yeah, it's a, a stake driver build all the way. I, I was actually super tempted to play Bloodborne yesterday, and unfortunately, uh, it it came to uh, my realization that someone, probably me, maybe Tiffany, had uninstalled it at some point in time. Oh, no. Which, You've uh, lost it all. Well, I mean, I, I, I was planning on restarting the save, uh, like starting from scratch anyways. Because like, if, if I were to start midway through a playthrough, like, it, it's, it's a weird... Uh, it, it, it's weird because it's like, you're super rusty, you have little to no idea over what you've already done in that route, or... True. That time through, and you're just going to get. I would argue destroyed. it doesn't hurt. It's not. It's not that bad because uh, ideally you are just like going to areas, finding out. Oh, I already harvested all of this, but then you've got more souls to work with. True. Maybe. But but so uh, it was uninstalled, and so I had to uh, start the download. And despite being able to install like Yakuza Seven within 20 minutes through steam because steam has like a fully functioning server that actually works well it yeah. was like an hour and 30 minutes for bloodborne so i ended up playing sekiro we'll maybe talk about that in, uh later on but uh what to turn my light off while it looks like there keeps being lightning flashes and cuts in this room and we're gonna see how that looks is your is your light going crazy or yeah i feel like i'm gonna i'm strobing uh viewers from time to time let me just see what it looks like sure i'll I'll kill some time for a moment actually i, I know it's gonna literally we'll take see no if time this is all. any better uh how was your father's day good a total mess but uh t- just fine we uh my sister tackled making a hollandaise sauce which she did a very good job with um so that was impressive to see and then uh, my mom, trying to be useful in the kitchen, just sort of kept interrupting and messing things up, uh, which was amusing, but also a little annoying at a certain point. I was like, do you want to sit down and relax? Do you want to maybe like hang out? Uh, but that was it was it was fun. 
funny until it happened on one of the tasks I was working with, which was I was trying to I was trying to brew coffee with some nice beans, and uh, she was trying to help out by like cleaning out the uh, I don't even know what you actually call it, but the the filter like holder, the filter from a chamber, French press. I take let's it. Say, no, not a not a French press. It's just pour over. It's like a like a bun uh coffee pot anyway she cleaned that out really quick and then the carafe but it looked like she didn't actually clean out the coffee grounds all the way so they ended up plugging at the bottom a little bit uh with the next batch of coffee and it just ended up brewing and spilling like bean grit everywhere around the coffee maker and into the carafe itself ruining that coffee and it was a it was an absolute uh, utter mess and so wait it's a pour over brewer what what uh brand yeah is it? it's a, a bun b-u-n-n let me see if i can find it it should be like the second thing to pop yeah it looks like bun velocity brew is that it oh so it's a an automatic pour over or yeah wait. it is yep yeah gr gr Wait, 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 wait. Is this Could not be a just GR8 a... or GRB, GRXB? That looks like it. How is this not just a drip? A drip? Oh, oh, yeah. I'm saying pour over. What am I saying? Not pour over. Uh, uh, wow. That's, uh, it's whatever the normal coffee is. I get you. Okay. It's, it's drip coffee. Yeah. Pour over is the exact opposite of what this is. Um, but yeah, as you can see, it, it's essentially one of those. You fill the chamber, you put the uh, you put the filter chamber or whatever underneath with filter and beans, and then you shut the lid, and it starts to brew coffee immediately. It's really good, actually. It's a nice little coffee maker. It, it looks but, like that company makes a lot of industrial coffee makers too. So yeah, it's super fast, but it makes a good cup. Industrial, commercial, whatever. Yeah. Hmm. It's sort of in the realm of like the Keurig approach where there's already hot water ready to go for the most part. So you're getting hit like, or it's at least like the heating chamber is always ready and on. So you pour in the water, you place the beans, you shut the lid, coffee is brewing in under five seconds after that. And it makes a good cup. Yeah. But if you block, if you block the, uh, (laughs) the reservoir or whatever between yeah the filter and the carafe it spits beans and hot sort of brewed coffee everywhere just it was it was an absolute nightmare and messed clean up i take it your daddy usually makes the coffee if he's having coffee no my mom normally does the coffee Ah. uh she i think she's just she's flustered today she went to give me a hug and almost knocked me over because she tripped on my feet which were, of course, under my frame. So it's just like, it it has not been a hot day for her. But yeah, I mean, Father's Day breakfast was good. I wish my dad was in Colorado, but that's just because I'd also love an excuse to visit Colorado. It'd be nice. Yeah, your dad's got his hands full, but look, if he ever wants to adopt... um, you know, I, I bought my dad a drone once. I feel like I could bring I could bring some sort of benefits package. I, I don't think my dad would want a drone or anything like that. I feel like he has simpler pleasures in life, you know? 
It sounds like it, and that's probably good because then that's uh, cheap and easy, and yeah. maybe I can just buy him instant coffee for when he goes out and about, uh, you know, rummaging through the woods. Actually, actually, he has one of those like ridiculously uh, over-the-top automatic espresso slash coffee machines. Okay. Like the kind that you can tell that whoever designed it also had to take into consideration the aesthetic design and appeal. So like it's an all... Just as important. Yeah, it's kind of like a brushed nickel appearance to it, but it's absolutely not nickel or, you know, obviously any of it. It's it's a plastic machine as far as I know. But like it's it's the type that will grind the beans to the... uh, to the order so to speak to like what you have requested it uh and before uh, uh and, and like obviously uh has like different settings that can allow you to determine like what the concentration of the drink is through temperature and through the amount of water and so forth so basically it's like it, it's straight up a uh a, an automatic espresso maker that has like fully customizable or it's, so it seems uh settings to it so like you, in theory, pulling a shot from a machine yourself would be able to have just as much customization over it. Like, mm. so I'm. That's the one thing I think he splurges on is his coffee, but which which is insane to me because, like, on on the flip side, I uh, I, I I tend to splurge on coffee and like in a frugal sense, right? But like, I I I think I put more time into like the the craft or the brew itself and trying to maximize what like I can get from Trader Joe's <laughs> mm-hmm. instead of spending even like a hundred dollars on a better grinder. But I mean, there is some, I, I feel like I'm going to avoid getting too deep in the coffee talk, but I feel like there is some um, <clears throat> basic calculation to be made where it's just like, once you have beans and the method that you make the coffee down, like once you've sort of selected two things that give you good quality out of that, like past it, then you're getting diminishing returns on like <clears throat> burr grinding your beans or hand grinding or whatever that is all about. And oh, that's that's the other thing right that's key is i think it's water it's like if you choose good water and beans you can get away with fairly cruddy hardware and still get a good cup but you can just make that cup progressively better but uh to a lesser magnitude than if you don't have those two things satisfied yeah it, it's sort of the it's thing the cheapest it, it it really boils down to like how how uh, picky you become with your coffee too because if you drink a lot of coffee you eventually would usually i would say uh develop a better taste for it and the 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 better or sharper your taste is to coffee the more that's going to push you towards like improving that cup but Mm -hmm. there there definitely comes a point where like you know being able to get the right the right the right roast an origin for your bean that you happen to like and the right water is already a huge step in the in the correct direction or like for yourself so to speak because coffee is so subjective but like Mm -hmm. i mean it already makes a world of difference going from like a light roast to a dark roast or vice versa for that matter uh but but i will say there are certain things that like 
that can really muck up your cup of coffee. And it's like if your grind consistency is so off the chart or like so off from the point you want to be at, like it can definitely change the way that like a good coffee tastes. Like it can su- suddenly become extremely acidic or really bitter uh, depending on like whether the, the, the grind is too fine or too coarse for your brewing method. But are you, uh, are you ready to talk about video games? There's so much video game stuff to talk about. Yes. So what do we want to start with? is my question e3 just happened and 999 just got completed yeah uh metroid dread metroid dread i <clears throat> i could talk about metroid dread uh for a thousand hours so let's get that out of the way it's the most exciting thing out of e3 for me personally as a huge metroid fan and also as a huge fan of Metroid Fusion in particular, one of the first Metroid games I played as a kid and also still one of my favorites and most memorable that I've ever experienced. Like a game that I have gone back and replayed several times and every single time there's just like absolutely not a single dull moment with that game. Like that is one I play start to finish and I love every second of it. Like it's just it is impossible not to enjoy. So, do you are you not worried about the developer of this game being Mercury Steam? Because that's what apparently I, a lot of the diehard fans are getting really upset about, or have had been upset about. I mean, Mercury Steam. Uh, what else did they make for Metroid? Did they do other M? I'm trying to see the Mercury baby. Steam. Okay, what what they have under games developed. Uh, and I'm starting from the very beginning. This is off of Wikipedia. American McGee presents Scrapland. I have mm-hmm. no idea. Zombies in 2006 for the Nokia platforms. Uh, Clive they, they did Barker's a lot of Castlevanias. Lords of Shadow. So those are like the reboots uh, in particular. Mm. And They did Samus Re- Returns, which is pretty good, I think. No, Samus Returns is the... Uh, yeah, Samus Returns is the one that I think people were less fond of, ultimately, because it had the weird... Like, it introduced the counter system, which I think is a cool idea, but I also heard it was a little um, it was a little clunky overall. So... Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't necessarily think there's enough of a track record here to know whether or not it's going to be good or bad based off of the developer alone i think it looks really interesting i like the aspect of having a uh what looks like a uh a jack baker i don't know a nemesis yeah i mean it is i i think what is it it it, dread has been dread has been talked about or conceptualized for like 15 years or something and i don't even know exactly how old fusion is but that's probably roughly around the time of fusion and it's a perfect example of Samus X in Fusion uh, who pursues you through these scripted encounters um, really like I think is the first steps of the progenitor to what is these, you know, machine, the Emmy uh, pursuers that exist in Dread. And so those are still the moments that stick with the, the with me the most is escaping Samus X uh, 
from hitting me with an ice beam until the last like 5% of the game when I'm finally not going to be frozen solid and then missiled to death instantly. Um, I like this. I like this pursuit option. It's the same mechanic that, yeah, we love from those early Resident Evil games with Nemesis or Mr. X. Like, I really like a game that has that. I mean, I'm replaying Resident Evil 8 right now with the new game plus mode. And uh, oh boy, I've I've gotten really cocky. There's I actually have a big discussion at some point in time about like staging and um, how like now I don't want to use the term dread just because we've said it already, but how you can essentially make like a lot of like unease and tension by by how you set atmospheres and environments and especially like small sort of off screen encounters and things to put players on edge. Playing Resident Evil eight uh like drunk last night for instance i'm just blowing through everything not paying attention at all and it's a completely different game when you have no sense of like insecurity or fear when you blow through it but it puts you into some very entertaining and interesting scenarios where i accidentally got cornered between lady dimitrask and one of the bug daughters like at the same time which made for an incredible and and like in a tight hallway and I'm just like oh shit oh fuck like got to dodge and duck between multiple uh unkillable unhittable enemies and it completely sort of changed the 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 like experience and format of the game in that tight like you know 1 minute confrontation or something into something very enjoy enjoyable and like an adrenaline rush but also incredibly stressful um so this this Emmy concept being sort of pursued around a map in Metroid where there are plenty of times in these like Metroidvania style games where every once in a while you're like looking at a wall and you're scratching your head and you're thinking, I'm pretty sure there's a secret passage or a door here. But now you do not have the opportunity to just like be blind firing at every block on the screen to see, well, does this one destroy by beam fire? Does this one? Oh, looks like that one takes a missile. Uh, you can't do that because an Emmy might drop on your head any second, which makes it really exciting and adds more more tension and pressure. And then I imagine you'll probably defeat the Emmy for the area and then you'll be able to explore more at leisure, which is very common with this type of game. So I, I, uh, I, I wanted to just verify something real quick. Uh, it sounds like, did you watch, was it the Nintendo Treehouse that goes over oh. the gameplay more? Um, no, actually I didn't. I love going in blind on these things. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, so how did you know the Emmy was like a recurring thing or like there's not recurring, but like rather there's multiple ones. I was starting to wonder if it was one single thing chasing you. I had it spoiled for me as I was like browsing gaming Twitter. Ah, okay. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, it makes sense. Also, if they follow the Metroid fusion format, like if if this really is going to be like sort of a sequel or spiritual successor to it, um, which also it must be because Samus once again has a cool blue suit, which is uh, <laughs> a staple for fusion. Um, it'll probably have like environments and so like uh, different biomes and areas to work with. I thought I had read something about that. And if that's the case, once again, it makes sense. One Emmy per biome or whatever. Once you defeat the Emmy, then you have a little bit more free reign over the biome because you'll most likely also have whatever that tool is that you need for greater mobility in the space. You know, it is, it is the, de- it is the like dungeon formula for Zelda or whatever. It's like, you're going to get the super missile before you fight the Emmy for area one. 
And then after that, there's a bunch of places to open up with a super missile or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then every other Excited. area before you need to use that to the the traditional Metroidvania formula. There's so many yeah, there's so many energy tanks you've left behind. So many missile upgrades that you need. Especially if you're gonna be firing super missiles, Neil. That's five that's sometimes five missiles per shot, depending on what game you're playing. Yeah. I I just looking looking forward to it. Very excited. Also, the fact that uh, this is something we know is out this year. Like that's a big deal. I kind of didn't think we were going to see. I I would not have imagined a two D Metroid game being shown this year. I I would have maybe expected a teaser for a different Metroid game. But uh, oh, that, uh, four perhaps Metroid Prime Four. Yeah, but obviously that didn't happen. That makes me kind of wonder just how bad of a situation that is right now i i mean metroid dread took 15 years so metroid prime 4 may be something that we get to enjoy near the end of life nice VR. and that's okay i didn't play metroid prime 3 so i'm okay with that i heard it was good and fine i just didn't have a wii at the time that it was out and interesting to me And then a bunch of other stuff came up, you know, and it was just one of those that fell to the wayside and I'm not going to go back and play now. But I'd happily hop right back into 4 in 2025 when it's finally (laughs) ready alongside Baldur's Gate 3. I'm willing to wait. (laughs) If there was a re-release for Metroid Prime 3, which there may or may not be, would that make you more likely to... uh, Yeah, um, I would play play it. Yep. Also, because the Joy-Con's so good. Like, the the Joy-Con's motion tracking and that... HD rumble, um, it's better than any tracking I ever had with the Wii Mote, even with the Wii Mote Plus or whatever that you needed for like Skyward Sword. So, I'd be I'd be totally happy and fine doing that. Oh yeah, Skyward Sword. They showed more of that uh, port. They also, yeah, they also showed uh, a Breath of the Skyward Sword too as well, like. The aerial environments are so cool and interesting, especially in a game like Breath of the Wild had so much fun verticality to play around with and some like some disparate locations, especially mountaintops, the volcano area, um, like the big plateaus to the south. There's there's a ton of cool verticality, but it's very different when I can apparently use an ability to slam my head on the bottom of some sort of like cave wall and then zip through to the top of it. Like what a brilliant idea. And another one of those cool mobility um, options that's like added in where I think your average gamer and maybe even your developer who's not working on it is just like, will this break the game? Like, <laughs> am I going, I am I going to be able to do something obscenely busted with this at some point in time? I, I was quite frankly surprised that we even saw that much. The the way they had the direct or they they were like uh conducting it, they made it sound like there was going to be one thing shown after we get done talking right here. And mm-hmm. uh suddenly what do you know and after showing uh Skyward Sword, then they go right into Breath of the Wild 2. <laughs> and I was just like, "What? Really?" Uh, we we just have one more thing to say, and that's look at all this Zelda shit. Uh, it's not technically one title, it, well, and, and what like I I think before that they showed off the Mister or the the Game and Watch Zelda, 
the yeah i don't care about that like the cash grab the obvious cash grab i'm not saying that's necessarily bad like someone's a bunch of people are gonna buy that and love it you know the product is what it is right um but uh but so i assumed it was just like all right we're we're out of ammunition but that was or maybe it came after the breath of the wild too no no no, i don't think that that wouldn't make sense uh e3 was you know nintendo i think made up for a lot of uh a lot of the other lackluster um, announcements or lack thereof throughout yeah. E3. I've, I really actually, I want to go back and, and adjust what I have to say. The, mo- the most exciting thing about E3 is that they're bringing Captain Jack Sparrow's likeness to Sea of Thieves. Wow, what a big, what a, what a great get, especially at this point in time. I mean, like jokes aside, though, like we we've been saying this for years now. E three is not like what it used to be back in like the early two thousands, or right. or even a handful of years ago when like I I know Sony, Xbox, Nintendo have all had like some crazy years, like the the Koji Pro to or well not, it wouldn't want to be Koji Pro, but like when uh, Kojima showed up on stage for E three, I think it was the same year we got the Shenmue three announcement. <laughs> or and that turned out to be such. yeah well i mean again like be... obviously it didn't live up to its promise or at least i i assume it didn't but like that was a really hype year for e3 it was big so death stranding director's cut it's like well i haven't beaten death stranding yet so maybe i should just wait until that comes out no but it's a ps5 exclusive as far as i know so uh i don't know I, I I don't necessarily have anything personally to talk about with E3. There is some there's some cool stuff, of course, but Yeah. Uh yeah, it's like oh, I guess I'll say Redfall looks exciting or interesting too. That's Arcane Austin, the other Arcane studio. Um so these are this this is a different Arcane studio. I'm big on uh What's the other arcane one? I thought I thought it was uh, Canadian, um, like Arcane Montreal or whatever. But I believe it might actually be uh, Arcane, like Lyon, which means it's a French studio. But anyway, it's, Arcane uh, Austin is not the there. Yeah, it is Lyon. Um, yeah, Arcane Austin is obviously not who's behind the Dishonored series, but. There's still the same there's the same studio generally, which has me excited to see how how that is like that looks like a fun sort of class based multiplayer game of some sort. There's not nearly enough information, but it had a slick video, so that was fun just to be very, very specific here. it's red fall and not red falls. Oh, I said red <laughs> falls, my mistake no no yeah. no no, no, red you fall. said it right i I just I wanted to make that clear because. When I happened to search up Red Fall, I got, got like a couple hits different. to Red Falls, which is a not safe for work game from the looks of it. Oh, okay. So one letter off can, can <laughs> lead a to complete, a detrimental search. Completely different thing. But uh, oh yeah, yep. My safe search was on, so I was I was protected from all that lewd content neil it, it can it, it it's on for me too but it shows up on steam no i'm just kidding i don't have safe steam. on. why would you do that? that that's the one thing i don't fucking get for steam okay 
So like uh, uh, someone told me that there's actually a way to filter this and make it not work this asinine way that it's currently working for me. But ever mm-hmm. since I got Yakuza like a dragon because it has like adult content as part of like the tags or whatever, it like mm-hmm. opened up the floodgates to a bunch of like 18 and up games. Mm, okay. And the, the funniest part and like I, I'm it, it's easy enough to just ignore games and whatnot or to like to go and change the settings because that they, they apparently like improve the uh, the effectiveness or like the filtering in that regard. But the funniest thing to me is that like a lot of that content shows up with no warning whatsoever. But if you have a game that has like gore, it wants to age. Make sure you're verif- a certain age. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, what? And that's okay. I mean, that's okay. <laughs> no, no, it's just, it's funny. You would think, you would think they would definitely have the age verification for games that contain, that are either advertised in like, or that contain like pornographic content. Like that mm-hmm. seems like the, the, the reasonable thing to do, but whatever. Uh, do you uh, do you think that we should save nine 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 for the end of the podcast, or is that something you want to tackle now? I think it's okay to save for the end because there's not. Is there? I really was surprised at how abrupt the ending was, and also I missed a bad ending. So I went back and got all of them. Just oh, to double nice. check. Yeah, I avoided getting stabbed in the back once. Um, <laughs> did you? Did you <laughs> avoid the available options? Wait, wait, so, so no spoilers yet then. So we okay. can... Yeah, uh, I won't say anything about it yet, but I, what I will... No, let's just, let's put it to the side. I don't think it'll actually take that much. I have a, I have a greater feeling now that once I finish Virtue's Last Reward, that will probably be a whole episode's worth of discussion to get into, right? But this absolutely feels like a piece of a whole. And so that's why I feel like we can talk about it a little bit and then... There may be a much a much greater a grander wrap up and purpose that exists uh, once I've finished the Zero Escape series. Maybe, maybe, or maybe not. Maybe uh, you know the other game has nothing to do with this one, but I would be surprised. Maybe. All right. Okay. Anyways, back on to moving uh, forward. Yeah. Other games. Uh, what have what you been other... playing outside of uh, Nine Nine Nine? darkest dungeon darkest dungeon has been great a lot of fun i'm just trying different strategies i got some some uh helpful support from matt on his strategy which is always more cruel than what i can do to mere pixels and uh code which is use your adventurers as uh like carelessly as possible (laughs) amass a great fortune and then start actually like caring about creating an a team to deal with stuff but upgrade your wagon or your stagecoach or whatever bring in new uh explorers uh absolutely juice them for all they're worth and then throw them to the wolves uh or let them die in battle because who cares as long as one person who's terribly traumatized can bring back all that treasure you can kick them out of your group as well and and try and build a new team the next week alternatively you can use fodder units too while you're building up your main team yeah i, I don't Man, know if there's I have anything they've done for that but 20 20 25 of my roster is just vestals because i keep getting them and they keep just grandly succeeding i have a vestal that has no negative quirks and five positive quirks and i'm just like i've never seen this distribution before uh 
yeah, my best unit is another Vestal. And it's just like, they are, they're kicking ass. Like, I'm really curious about making an all Vestal team <laughs> for doing the ruins or something. I think it's completely viable for ruins in particular. Um, Do they have a way to clear corpses? They don't, but who cares? They can reach every part of the line for the most part. They have two different uh, healing spells, too. They have. Um, I'm trying to you don't even else. have to buy torches. Half their like, not oh, half. Yeah, that's a true. third of their abilities uh, raise your torch level, so you can go one of those sort of like sunlight pills almost, where you give them a bunch of stuff that is benefited by torch at seventy five percent or above. And then a vestal is probably going to use if you have a team of four vestals. A vestal is probably going to use a torch uh, plus five to plus ten sort of ability once every round of combat and you're probably going to be able to just hover right at that amount of light and you just need torches to sort of reset before you're about to go into an encounter to make sure you have a high light setting i'll i, I might have to try that i i was tempted to it's boot a fun up. game i got i got really hooked back in i i'm trying not to start anything that i'm gonna want to uh spend like copious amounts of time into until after i finish yakuza uh like a dragon what's next after that uh judgment i think will be the next thing but i'll probably pick up a couple different games at that point yeah uh yakuza like a dragon or seven whatever you want to call it is actually pretty uh pretty good really good like i i guess what i'm saying is it's like when i say pretty good i'm not talking about like the uh the story itself i think I think the game. I, I was I was thinking a lot about RPGs uh, recently and about like what makes them enjoyable for me and um, the like the the really the really big thing that I came to understand is that I I don't think there are that many good RPGs from a game or mechanic standpoint like because because really most rpgs or jrpgs i mean i guess even western rpgs or crpgs even maybe fall into this category it's all about resource and stat checking right like mm. you you are either strong enough to get through an encounter or you're not and there's rng that plays into it with critical hits and stuff like that so it's like really they're more like they're more like uh vehicles to bring you a narrative or a story and yeah and you you're you're like a management role almost. Yeah, and and I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but like so as as opposed to tabletop RPGs where I think there's a whole degree of freedom uh but I mean you could even argue still that like such a such a situation or game is still a matter of like resource management, stat check uh and that that's kind of it. Not I, I'm I, I don't mean this to be like a a criticism for the genre or the type of game as a whole either. It's just that like I I, I started to think about like what makes a good RPG me- mechanically versus you know run of the mill, and it's really a lot of like finer details and functionality behind it. Like what what makes Nocturne especially uh at least on the harder difficulties what makes that game especially rewarding and fulfilling is the difficulty uh and and being able to figure out and work out strategies 
Uh, and Yakuza 7 has a degree of that where it's like when you're when you're going up against a hard encounter you you and and you lose we'll say you have two possibilities or uh two choices the first one is to just grind which is like Mm -hmm. an acceptable way to way to do it but uh i i think the most the more satisfying route is to work with what you have maybe do a little bit of grinding and then try and approach the battle with a way to counteract whatever is killing you i guess like you build up different resistances or you try different classes to accommodate the amount of damage that's that's being dished out to you and uh while it takes what seems like more than 50 percent to like 65 ish percent of the game to get to that point i've finally gotten to the area or the the encounters within yakuza where like boss battles are actually more meaningful and more involved in uh in the aspect of surviving uh the boss's multiple turns but i it, I, I guess I guess what I what I should say though is that like I I kind of want to make the claim that it feels like a game made by a group of people that don't necessarily have a lot of RPG experience at least with creating or making an RPG because there's a lot of things in the game that don't necessarily make sense to me from a design standpoint if they were if it was intentional like mm-hmm. uh, the the efficiency and the power of a lot of low-level skills seeming to be just better than higher-level skills. Like, there's this one skill called... Uh, uh, well, it, it, I guess I, I don't remember the exact name, but it involves a character using three darts and throwing them up into the air, and it hits three random enemies. If you only have mm-hmm. one enemy, it hits that enemy three times. Three times, so, which is great. Yeah, which is I, I I love that skill because it it works so well on single targets. What's weird is that that skill, which is relatively early within that job class, turns out to deal more damage on tougher bosses than the quote unquote extreme level of damage skills, which usually involve having twice, if not three times, as much MP cost. So it's like what. Why does that why does that happen? Like I don't know the damage formulas and I'm probably never going to get that deep within the game, but it doesn't make sense from a design standpoint to have that attack work so efficiently compared to any other attack that the that that class has or a character with higher attack and magic uh settings using something that costs way more MP. So mm-hmm. th- there's elements to that. It, it doesn't necessarily make the game bad or anything, or it, it's not necessarily... I wouldn't consider it a a big flaw that makes the game less enjoyable because kind of learning those things or understanding like certain metas within the game actually is enjoyable itself. But mm-hmm. it, it does feel more like a... An, an a, oversight? Yeah, an oversight. That'd be a good way to put it. Uh but but as a whole like you know th- there's some things that that game doesn't necessarily do extremely well like there's certain presentation things that they could work on like really simple ui stuff like if you're targeting an ally to heal them their portrait should be highlighted on uh on their like health bar like in in the lower left of the screen like like for yeah. instance in persona 5 when you when you have someone selected uh, to heal or use an item on there's some sort of indication highlighting them as opposed to it just showing up on the main screen like they, yeah they highlight and then i think they're like mini 
their little mini icon with bars also grows in size. Like it's it's a slight, you know, they slide it up ten percent on uh, its size. Yeah, exactly. And and there's a very very easy way to navigate to the correct person you want to use the item on because it's yeah. related to their position on the screen. So you hit up or down however many times you need to to get to like Mona or whoever, uh, Mor- or Morgana, whatever. Um, in Yakuza, it's based, on, uh, it's based on their placement on your screen. So like the battlefield is very organic. So if you happen to move one person to attack uh thug a they're going to walk over to thug a so like you have to start moving through the thugs to select uh your guy in the mix and and depending on where your camera is in relation to because your camera is free free freely controlled through the right analog stick okay that would also influence where you need to what directional button you need to press to get to the the target you want to you know (laughs) use an item or attack so it's kind of weird in that regard because you're actually using the the four directional buttons to navigate to the right thing whereas especially when you're using things on your own allies it would probably make more sense just to have your allies selected based on who's highlighted in your lower left or your lower right uh where where you have like your four portraits like, yeah absolutely it, it's really really it, like i i realize i'm being super nitpicky about this but that those are like the things that kind of cue me into like i i don't necessarily think they have entirely polished and nailed this game out of the park in terms of the very yeah. simplistic nature of how it functions. And that makes me think that like the next, uh, the next game they're going to make is just going to be like, hopefully the, the persona four to the persona three in terms of functionality, like the, the vastly improved version from just a quality of life and UI standpoint. But yeah, uh, but really like, it says a lot that those are the 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 criticisms I have for this game so far. They're very minute things that function within like you know the menu system or or how you select enemies with your UI. It's like other than that, the game so far, and I feel like we're getting pretty close to the end, is uh, has been like has been fantastic. Uh, the story is pretty cliche. You can you can look at the Raglan hero scale and be like, all right, he he hits this point, he hits this point. Okay, I bet he's gonna hit this point. Uh, you 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 can definitely tell what's happening. <laughs> but but I mean, given that it's kind of like been influenced by Dragon Quest, which is I would I imagine is probably the most traditional of JRP like fantasy JRPGs. It does a great job mirroring that. I'd say if you feel like an RPG, you should give it a give it a try at some point i'd say it's so goofy so fun fantastic it it looks fairly entertaining i do have to ask on the on the mp point is there any logical like do they give any reason as to why like it, your your main character's kiryu is that correct oh it's uh it's ichiban kasuga in this new game so it's brand Kir- new kiryu is from a different one though right he's I'm not from just... zero to six yeah Okay. Okay. So Ichiban, uh, like, is it is it force of spirit that he's using? So, is it wa? <laughs> so like minor story story spoilers. Um, early on, uh, after you get like a uh, an ally, it's basically described that uh, like someone asks like why do you 
why do you let the enemy attack you? Like you're you're a good enough fighter that like you could just beat these people up without them getting a move in. And he's basically like, well, it just feels right to let them have a chance or something along those lines. <laughs> and uh, at one point, like they they essentially just uh, explain that like all of the weird RPG things that happen, like enemies becoming exaggerated forms of themselves these ridiculously radical attacks happening are all in the main character's mind like he's hallucinating and yeah like they're just having a straight up fist fight but he's going yeah he's going sort of uh into a different consciousness during a fight exactly and it's it's basically implied because he played so much dragon quest as a kid yeah that this is what <laughs> he envisions and that, that's like, exactly the joke i was gonna make <laughs> he, he wants to be a hero so much that he has essentially willed him into this like his reality or perception is that of a video game so yeah. the hp this Yakuza guy the is yusha ichiban <laughs> exactly yeah amazing and like obviously there there's there's like a blurring it's not necessarily like story like it's not like him hallucinating about like you know this thug actually being a giant guy with a huge axe or spear or something (laughs) is actually Uh part like it's not story relevant at least as far as i know it's just it's there to provide a good excuse for like the wacky zany villains that you end up facing but Mm -hmm. uh but there like the the game does have like these these moments in the story that are like obviously super corny and cheesy that play off of like fantasy uh fantasy world uh clichés and tropes so uh-huh. it, it it's not it's not like the story is just completely void of fantasy or void of the rpg element to it like it, it's very tasteful too it's and when it's com- uh comical like it's very obviously meant to be taken as a, a joke, like finding a bat that's stuck in the ground and the other two guys can't take the bat out of the ground. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, King, King Arthur's bat. But it's been good. It's been real good. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, it sounds interesting. I'll keep an eye out on it. There's... I I just keep... My social circle... Uh, at least one or two of them can't stop talking about Mass Effect Legendary Edition or whatever. And I'm just like, man, I don't want to go, but I don't want to buy it. I don't want to buy it, but I kind of, I could replay too again. It would be pretty fun. I, I was um, watching a streamer play through the end of Mass Effect 3. <laughs> uh huh. That, I just remember what happens in Mass Effect 3, and maybe that'll keep you from doing it. Yeah, it probably will. Um, but yeah, I don't, don't, I'm trying to think what else there is. Uh, the, Ashley has a Dragon Age Inquisition. I was wondering like, if I've got a little bit of time to just like fiddle around, I haven't really played a Dragon Age game start to finish. Um, Inquisition is the newest of them. I thought, I thought about giving it a shot. Um, I don't know. I'm really thinking about it. Or it might just be doubling down some more Darkest Dungeon time or whatever. But what I do have to do is I have to move on to Virtue's Last Reward now that 999 is over. And I'm ready to talk about uh, all the big surprises that came with that game. Yeah, so in case it's not obvious from the title uh, on the stream, we're about to... Huge spoilers incoming. Yeah, which is like essentially... The uh, game. 
It's earth it's earth shattering. There's something I'm going to talk about in a moment that will literally make the game sort of I think unplayable if it's spoiled for you. Just because it recontextualizes everything in a completely different way. So that's out there. 999 spoilers. 9 hours, 9 persons, 9 doors. I hope I got that order order right. Doesn't matter. I just call it 999. I don't even worry about it. So, did did you did you see the did you see this coming? Did you see like the ultimate twist coming? I guess is my first thing. No. And and just to be clear, like the ultimate twist, I think if it, it's obviously been years since I've played it, is that you are essentially you you're not in, going to drown. You as Junpei. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. There, there's that element. You're you you were never in the boat to begin with. That's right. And uh, that what what is happening is that this entire elaborate scheme is being run uh, in order to fulfill a past that had already occurred. That's right. We got we got time mechanics in like we got multiple realities or uh, yeah different different timelines in here, which I was not. Ex- I don't know why I wasn't expecting it. That's like the main conceit of all of these Spike Chunsoft games. But I didn't think we would be legitimately going back in the past to save uh, um, Akane. June. Also known as Connie. Also known as June. A.K.A. Junpei. A.K.A. Jumpy. Uh, so many, So many nicknames. And they're all fun and they make sense. But it's just like, can we to- can we like calm down on the three or four different titles for our childhood friend characters? I uh, so I I'm kind of blanking now. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, uh, obviously the game's littered with a shit ton of random twists that like I don't necessarily know if I expected many of them. But some of them being that uh, Akane's bracelet was never a. You, you might have to help me on this one. Her it's br- not a six. It's uh, it's actually a. Uh, wait, I think it's an eight, or it's a nine. It's Is an, it a nine? It's a nine. It's, it's upside, it's down, upside yeah. down. Yeah. Uh, none of the bracelets had bombs in them for the people that were not involved in the project originally. Nobody's bracelets had bombs in with, them, with the exception of, of uh, nine. Well, uh, uh, the exception of uh, so his bracelet would have been. Six, I believe. But I think it ends up still being nine because that's how it functions. There's never a rule that implicitly states. Says that everyone has to have this, a, yeah, a, different a different bracelet. Number. Right. Oh, it's, yeah, it's so weird. And then zero isn't actually zero either. I believe zero is six. Oh, so no. the zero bracelet is a six. Wasn't it that, wasn't it that Santa or whoever has the two it's whoever has the th- the three is also different, I believe. I don't remember. Like yeah, Santa's is different. Yeah, it, it ends up it ends up making it 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 all ends up working out in a way that makes you believe that the the values are exactly what you think they are. But boy, but they're it. not actually. It's it's totally fucked. It's really like it's impressive that they were able to sort of game out this like digital root math in this perfect way. I mean, luckily, you know, they get to try it sort of over and over and see what combinations work and we craft the story around that. But as the player who's just like, you're in these scenarios, it's just like, 
well, I guess that could have worked, but why would I think that they're actually fake numbers that are doing a different, like calculating the digital route, but using a different addition? Like, right. Yeah. It's a good, like, it, it's sort of an undetectable it, it, in the, uh, in the alternative option of having sort of like a smoking gun. It's like, it's a silenced pistol. You never know that the gun is being fired. You never know that it has happened. But later, when someone finds a bullet, they're like, well, yeah, this person got shot by this silenced pistol over here that you weren't aware of. It, it is the exact opposite of giving some sort of like indication up front. It is all sort of uh, resolved and illuminated just at the back end to make you go, huh? What? <laughs> Wait, so I do they imply this or is it officially stated who's zero then scott is zero santa it seems like zero is santa is the implication yeah zero is a connie and santa put together essentially yeah. they're they're working together zero okay just making sure yeah. like so the the entire implication here is that this being being kidnapped and being dragged out from your regular everyday life wherever junpei is from or it lives in i don't remember uh, is because this is all this all has to happen because Akane as a child communicates to Junpei a future Junpei to solve her whatever the puzzle was in order to get mm-hmm. out alive right which is wild like that's maybe the craziest thing to think about is like young Akane I I think the events of the original like the nine years ago uh or let, yeah let's say the original gigantic like the events in that happen after i think akane and junpei uh like are no longer childhood friends yeah it's exactly. between that so like she's yeah she's reaching out to her childhood friend junpei uh misses the mark a little bit timeline wise <laughs> and uh accesses it is it is one of those uh sort of time travel mechanics too where it's just like it's written in stone or it so to speak like we're not seeing that different timelines are being generated as much as like an event that happens in the future of the past like cements the uh chain of events that exist in the past or the future like are you are you sure though because there are there are bad endings where you don't have enough information to go off of and Mm -hmm. so what happens is the the re the reoccurring thing that that uh that goes on with uh akane as you go through these different routes is she she continues to have these fever episodes right so Mm -hmm. there's multiple ways to interpret this but one interpretation is her fever episodes are essentially because in this timeline which th- this seems crazy i i know uh but like in this timeline the timeline that is happening at this point now retroactively akane is dying or being burned alive because junpei is not able to get to the same puzzle oh and so that's that why makes she sense she, she she's always burning up and, and so zero and akane disappear at one point or like zero gives this big speech about like uh about junpei or or them rather zero failing and then Junpei goes back to find Akane and she has just vanished. And it's presumably, if you want to believe in, if, if you want to believe exist, that there are like, yeah. yeah, these different tangible timelines, that it's because she dies as a kid and her existence there is no longer, it, it, it's, it's gone now. So 
like the 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 events from nine years ago have to happen after they you know part ways because the only explanation I have is that after Akane uh, is saved by future Junpei, that she ends up having to like she basically has handed the ultimatum now that like that means that in nine years I have to reconstruct this uh, the notary game mm-hmm. and that. Like I'm like I'm I'm speaking as if I'm the the young Akane. I have no idea what I could do that may end up screwing things over. So I need to basically disappear. I can no longer make contact with Junpei and uh, jeopardize this thing from happening until after it. Yeah, until until the game we can we can recreate the game, the the nonary game. And Fascinating. It makes a lot of sense with the dialogue too, because Connie is always talking about like you're a very special person to me, Junpei. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember if she gives you like an explicit like I owe you my life kind of thing, but I'm pretty sure her dying breath in a bunch of the timelines is something along those lines too. And and when you think about it, that like when I finished nine nine nine, I was kind of left uh like fucking shocked because not only did you like you know go through this crazy circus if you will of events to make this thing happen in the past but she's also gone now like she she is no longer uh in the next cutscene, the the epilogue or post-game cutscene where you're driving through the desert with every other character except akane and santa that's right but you're trying to catch up with them yeah so yeah but but like I, I don't know, like, what what does this tell you about Akane, though? Because, like, I, I personally, I, at this point in time, I kind of felt like, so she, she was the... stick around? She was the mastermind. Why isn't she around? Why isn't she answering questions? Like, what yeah. the fuck? I, I, there's so much, there's so much to be asked still. And so th- mm-hmm. there's also another uh, element that you don't get, unfortunately, from the Steam version. Um, and that's that when you're playing on the DS what would be happening between those two uh, when you're starting to communicate between those two, the two entities, young Akane and, you know, it's on either screen. Yeah. Yeah. So Akane vision and Junpei vision is one side or the other. Yeah. They swap basically. So usually like I'm, I've probably got the orientation incorrect, but so basically before what would happen is all the dialogue would be happening on the bottom screen and mm-hmm. your uh, escape room would be on the top, or whichever one was the touchpad, you know, vice versa. And when you That's would go bottom, back yeah. into Akane, what would happen is the orientation of those screens would swap, and so Akane's dialogue would be on the other screen. Mm. So they would be communicating through the, the DS, quote-unquote. Also so. very... It, so smart, and what a cool use of the hardware. Yeah, yeah. But absolutely. yeah, on, on the Steam version, it's just flipping back and forth. Like, you're just... It's like this, you get that little TV, um, like boot and close sound, uh, that you would get with like a CRT or something yep. where it, uh, flashes up and then it closes and then it flashes up with a Kane vision and closes and then it's back to Junpei vision, uh, which is a little jarring because for the end it's back and forth a lot. But I think it's very funny is I also saved the game maybe less than 10 mouse clicks away from the end so i've been sitting on finishing the game <laughs> with an extra five minutes of reading for like more than a week wait wait, wait. You, you haven't finished it then 
No, I finished the game. Oh, no, okay. I I finished the game, but it was funny. I loaded the game up and I was sort of going through the dialogue, like what's going on, you know, like trying like getting the but all the last revelations were literally like one or two lines of text away from me from where I I closed, which gotcha. was, I found just amusing. It's one of those where it was like, "Oh, I'm going to pause the DVD here um and I'll watch the credits next time." No, I I guess you then. Uh I I don't know uh what else uh, I wanted to bring up with uh or ask you about. I mean, it is wild that Ace also like wants that like Ace has these big things to say or talk about and you like rip the tape off to confirm a simple thing with them and it was like tape's going back on. I don't want to listen to this guy. Yeah, like fuck that guy. <laughs> Ace is trying to explain things and you're just like I don't care and you tape his mouth back off. It's like I don't know. I kind of want to know what Ace has to say. I I felt I felt like even though I I, I don't necessarily think they try to paint Ace as like uh, someone that deserves to be forgiven or whatnot. Yeah, like sympathetic. But I do appreciate that like he had a goal in mind for this, which was essentially a way to mitigate his own proso prosopagnosia. Prosopagnosia, yeah. He is he is a sad villain who is obviously doing something wrong, but has a legitimate reason from his point of view. It's just his point of view is like so like self-centered and narcissistic and like damaging. It's just like, yeah, you have like desiring to solve your prosopagnosia is great, but the way you're going about it is the most psychopathic thing you could do. And you you obviously called the fucking coffin. <laughs> yeah, I did. That, I knew it. I mean, as soon as I got the banging from the other side, I was like, "Yeah, Snake's not dead. No way." I, and that was before you even got to the route that uh, discusses. You his, find out his arms a fake. Yeah. So I, I I definitely didn't call that. I was I was not sure what was going on in the coffin. Uh, I wasn't. I I don't remember what I thought it could have been. Oh, that's the last. Okay, we. This is the last thing we have to talk about. Is all ice is real. Alice is real. The the game ends with uh, someone who looks, of course, just like uh, Lotus, standing. On what looks to be she's not actually like uh, butt ass naked, but she is wearing like a a skin colored or like this skin, the color matches her skin tone like a shawl that's like outlining her body. I was just like, does she have no pants? Like I had to make a double check, but she's just standing out in the desert with like her thumb up. And I was like, okay, also, uh, what is it? All ice is from, uh, ancient Egypt. So she probably doesn't know about hitchhiking custom. What is this? Isn't that? Real, yeah. They leave it so open-ended that I'm like, I hope this gets answered somewhere because truly if, if it's just a goof, like, haha, very funny, but I have to know what, the, what is this? What is going on? It, it, it's so interesting because like the game throws so much, uh, so much seemingly irrelevant. If, if this were your first time playing a game of this like, nature, yeah, so much irrelevant information at you, <laughs> like people go on tangents constantly and yet you continue to you continue to discover their relevance as you go through the game and there's just that one thing that like that never gets brought up the whole all eyes thing right until the yeah. very end yeah and it's great too cuz seven the whole is it, the seven the whole time is thinking like i don't know there's something to that you know i'd like to find like 
I just got really interested in this kind of stuff. I'd like to find her an ace. It's like, yeah, there's no such thing as all ice. Uh, you know, four lines of text later, she's got her thumbs up out in the desert. I'm just like, you can't leave me hanging on this. Where's my dance number? Uh, sevens, uh, the, the cast of that game is so good. Like, Great. Yeah. Seven, uh, I don't necessarily know if that would have been the voice I would have believed Seven to have. No, it worked perfect for me. But but yeah, it. exactly. It like I got it it worked out so great once you understand his character and he gets his memories back and such. You're like, "Okay, this is actually perfect." Yeah, yep. Um I am uh, the only thing I'd change about the cast is a hunkier protagonist, and so that's why I can't wait to play uh, <laughs> Virtue's Last Reward because you get to it, with the steam like with the steam opening screen, it shows zero and then your two protagonists. At least I'm almost certain your two protagonists. And the protagonist for the other game is like this hot buff dude in a polo shirt, uh Junpei, and his like his his ratty flannel and like puffy down vest or whatever. It's just like, yeah, I didn't feel that great playing Junpei. <laughs> I, I'm not that fond of him as a character. He's fine. He he's pretty funny, I'd say. He is he's yeah, he's funny. He's smarter than I thought he would be, which I think is great. You know, it, I guess I was used to I the Somnium Files where Date's actually kind of stupid. Uh, <laughs> so when Junpei was doing things cleverly, I was just like, not used to this. Free Yumpa. Free Yumpa. Yeah, very funny. Uh I respect the Free Yumpa and I acknowledge it. But I don't. I don't have anything left to say about nine 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 except that I really hope that it is. Uh, it is associated with Virtue's last. Like I do hope that Virtue's last reward and nine 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 play together in resolutions and ideas. So did I get you the pack that had a zero time dilemma as well? No, but I'll pick that okay. up. I think after playing nine nine nine, I'm I'm into it. I like it. I'll get into it. I'll I'll probably warn you that like I I think I think. Uh... I think zero time dilemma is viewed maybe on the more the least mixed favorably side out of all three. Yeah. Okay. But, but I, I personally think that like, well, it maybe d- didn't give me as great an experience. I, I still think it's a, a good, a good addition, so to speak to the series. Gotcha. So. Well, cool. I mean, I think, I don't know what else I'll have more to talk about, I guess for resident evil eight next time, but that's all, that's all I have to say today. Yeah, same here. I've I finished uh, Deedlit uh, or Record of Lotus War, Deedlit in mm-hmm. Wonder Labyrinth. If you want like a real short, like we're talking five hours ish, six hours ish, uh, Metroidvania type game that has like interesting Ikaruga uh, elements to it. Okay, that that is a pretty cool, pretty cool game, but uh. Other other than that, I don't really have much more to talk about. Sweet. All right, let's let's call it. That's the end of seven. Uh, we'll see you guys all next week. Have a great one, guys. Thanks for watching, or thanks for listening. Thanks for everything. See you next week. <laughs>